0: Um, talk about don't waste your struggles. That even in the midst of your struggles, God can use that for His purposes. And today we have a special treat. We have some uh, special speakers coming up here. Um, uh, you know what? Let's just have you guys come up here. And, uh, uh, this is Debbie and Corky Erickson. Uh, Corky is the area director of Young Life uh, here in Washington County. They're regular parts of our uh, part of our congregation as well. Uh, Debbie is, uh, well, uh, I don't want to take all your thunder, right? Because you're going to introduce yourself soon. uh, uh so, uh, we, you know, we have a large, pretty large contingent of Young Life leaders and students here. Uh, Tucker, who's also the, the leader of Young Life College, is a part of our congregation. And so, uh, we just, uh, Young Life is just a, uh, is a ministry that, that uh, we just hold dearly and just love that ministry. We are strategic partners with Young Life. We help support them uh, through uh, so many different things. And so, this is just an opportunity for Corky and Debbie to come share a little bit of their story, which really, is a powerful story that embodies this whole idea of not wasting your struggle. So uh, without further ado, would you uh, join me in welcoming Corky and Debbie Erickson today?
1: Well, like Sung said, I am Debbie Erickson, and this is Corky Erickson. We have been married for 29 years. Um, We have been, yes, pretty exciting. Um... We have been a part of Grace for five years now. Um, I, myself, am a first-grade teacher, and Corky, like um, Sung said, has been on staff with Young Life for 30 years, and ministry is really um, the heart and soul of who we are um, as we get to share Christ with a lot of different folks. Um, We have three kids. We have Casey, um, who is... um, I'll put them up on the screen so you guys can see them. Uh, Casey is married to Dan, and they actually also attend Grace Ann Arbor. Casey's a nurse at the hospital, and Dan is on staff with Young Life. We have Bridget in the middle standing right next to me, and she's a nanny in New York City. And then we have Michael, our son, Um, on the other side with his wife, and they are also on staff with Young Life in Chicago. And um, I love pictures like this because, boy, it makes it look like life is just perfect. But um, we know in the life and the world of social media that pictures don't always necessarily show our whole story.
2: That might work. All right. Um, would you pray with me? Father God, I, um, I commit this time to your hands. I pray that you would be lifted up, that Debbie and I might decrease so that you might increase. Um, touch the hearts and lives of every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have a great family. I've got a great wife, uh, Facebook, happy. Um, but something happened in 1999 to me that really changed things in a huge way for me and for my whole family. Um, not exactly sure what caused it, um, but what I knew was that it didn't feel good. Um, I, uh, there was, um, I wondered if it was something that happened that caused this. But there was a deep sadness that came over me that I couldn't explain. Um, and, I, and I remember feeling like, uh, what's going on here? There's, there's some, this is not like me. It got to a point where it was hard for me to get out of bed in the morning. And as emotional a person as I am, uh, I found myself crying a lot. Um, the kind of tears that, that you feel from the very innermost parts of your body. And, uh, and it was just so hard, and I, and I wondered what was going on. Um, and for me, as a Young Life staff person working with high school students, college students, I would go and lead Bible studies and hang out with students and, and so forth. And whenever I had to do that, I remember feeling like I had to work up enough energy to go and do this Bible study or lead this group of leaders or hang out with this group of high school kids. And then I would get myself all worked up, I would do it, and then I would come home and I would crash. It wasn't a fun time. And nobody in my world understood that or saw that more than Debbie did.
1: And so for me, this was um, about 10 years into our marriage we had a great marriage but um, we often behave in our marriages the way we watched our parents behave in their marriage and the way we watched our parents kind of do things and I grew up my dad was a um, executive and he ended up being the CEO of a steel corporation so we were constantly moving high expectations there was no time for belly aching. you just made it happen and so I moved at very difficult times in my life but there was no complaining to be had or no tears, and if you did, Dad looked at you and said, fix it and move on. And so I was really used to that. I felt, like Quirky said, he was a little bit more emotional. I was listening a little bit more about, you know, let's make life happen, let's get going. And so when this started happening for him, I was like, okay, you're just, you're choosing this, and you need to kind of fix it. You need to kind of, I'll help you fix it. We're going to get through this. This is just going to be for a week or so, I think, and then we'll make things happen. And, um... It was hard. It was just out of my element. My dad was this strong man who just always kind of took control, and I'm finding my husband is just broken and weak. And honestly, at times, I didn't really like it. I was kind of like, fix yourself, or we need to fix this. But I knew it would be temporary, and we were going to work through it. Prayed for him, loved him, listened to him, and tried to fix it the best I could.
2: And all along, in the midst of all that was going on, I was asking myself the million-dollar question, Why, God? What is, why is this happening to me? Was there unconfessed sin in my life? Uh, I would take long walks in the woods, screaming out loud to him, angry, saying, What's going on here? Um, in my mind, good people don't deal with stuff like this. I've been in ministry for 20 years at this point. Have I done something wrong? Um, And I had a friend who I confided in with this this sadness, and I remember vividly sitting at a Wendy's restaurant with my friend, and I told him what was going on, and he asked me the question. um, uh, Where is it? I'm sorry. I want to make sure I get it right. He asked me the question, how have your... Quiet times been lately. As if to say, you're not doing something right. That somehow or another you have, um, you're missing it. So, God must be mad at me. I'm too blessed to be depressed. Maybe you've heard those things before. And then I saw this on Facebook. It says, and you can read it up there if you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future if you are at peace you are living in the present I was not at peace and as much as I continued to read this I got more and more angry
1: and so for me I was kinda like that I mean I kinda thought kinda what the world was saying like what are we doing wrong because this was supposed to only last a week or a few days and it was lasting years now. And it was hard. Like we didn't, we really didn't know what was going on. We loved each other, but I was so lost and confused. It just didn't measure up for me. And when it comes to spiritual things, we both are deeply committed to Christ, but you have to understand Corky like gets up and honestly, for most of our marriage for 29 years, he is in God's word daily, like loves God's word and praying. And I'm thinking, okay, then it's gotta be me. Like, what am I doing? And I started searching my soul. You know, we had three kids at the time. I think there were four, four, five, and six or somewhere around that. And I felt like I had four kids, not three. I felt like I was kind of losing a partner. And I felt really alone. I felt really alone. After Corky had that experience with um, one of our good friends and he had shared with maybe one other two people, one other or two other people, what was going on, they all kind of responded and they were all Christians that it was something that we must have been doing. And so he came home from that time and he said, stop, don't share it with anyone else, don't tell anybody else. And so I thought, I'm good at that. If we talk about it less anyways, it's going to make it go away faster. And so I'm going to work on fixing this somehow. But it just got harder. We kind of insulated ourselves from people. There was distance for us. I mean, we were trying to work together but i was angry and i was confused and i didn't know necessarily what to always say and do and i would pray and plead too and try to examine my heart and figure this out so one night we went out to dinner with some dear friends and uh it came up and they suggested have you thought about counseling well of course we've thought about counseling (laughs) we've thought about everything but um they suggested it again and uh we decided to take them up on it
2: so i jumped into counseling i went to counseling three times a week for three years um it was a challenging challenging time and i started to work through some things uh, that were hard for my family of origin uh i worked through some of the stuff my incredible need to be liked um feeling that I was never good enough. Uh, and at one point during the counseling sessions, uh, it was determined that I was actually clinically depressed. Now, that might not seem like a good thing to you, but for me, there was a name. I wasn't just sad, but there was something going on inside that I needed to work through. And so for some crazy reason, it was good to, to, to name it. Um, I, I would take long walks with God. I would scream at him. And one of the days when I took a walk, I took a walk by this stream. And as soon as I walked by it, I was reminded of this Psalm, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water. So my soul pants for you, my God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. I found great comfort in that because there had been people who had gone before me Spiritual giants, David, the psalm writers, all of these great people who have gone before me and had felt the same things that I was feeling. There were times in my journey, I can remember this picture that I kind of conjured up, maybe I didn't, but I had this feeling at points in my journey where I was at the bottom of a pit and on the sides of the pit was loose dirt around the sides of the pit. And whenever I would try and climb out of that pit, the loose dirt would give way, and I would fall back deep into the pit. Never, ever felt like it was going to get any better. At another point in my journey, I was reminded of another verse. This is Hebrews 6.19, and it goes simply, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. As I read that and reread that, it became clear to me that the hope that the author was talking about was not just some crazy idea out there, but it was a person. Jesus was the anchor for my soul. Jesus was the anchor for my soul. I was always hoping, believing there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And there are points, I want to tell you, there were points where I, it might have been a train coming straight at me. But it was at this point that I realized that light was Jesus. And yet, as helpful as the counseling was going, I couldn't brush off this sadness. So I bumped into a friend, and the friend suggested to me, hey, if you, somebody diagnosed you with diabetes, Corky, wouldn't you take insulin to ca- take care of that? If you didn't take the insulin, it could very well kill you, so you would be wise to take the insulin. Maybe what's going on with you is something deeper than just, maybe it's something that you could take some medication for and that that could help. Now, I have to explain to you this, that when I grew up, the family that I grew up with didn't take medicine. Aspirin, nothing. Ibuprofen, nothing like that. My mom and dad were just, if you got a headache, grin and bear it. You can do it. But we never took medicine, so the idea of me taking medicine for something like this was really hard to take. And I had hoped that when I started taking the medicine that it would be kind of a a one pill covers all. If I could just take this pill, everything would be better. I would be happy. No sadness, no depression. It wasn't that way at all. It took a lot of years and a lot of experimentation to get to the point where I am right now.
1: You know, as you go through these struggles in your life, um, whoever's walking beside you is affected. And that's one of the reasons that Corky and I wanted to both share today, because um, this was something that God had for me, too. And um, growing up, I told you that my house was very uh, regimented and very, you can do it, and uh, my maiden name is Grant. And so when I uh, get into this attitude of, you know, you can do it, you can make it happen, you know, Corky would refer to me as Debbie Grant, and I have to kind of slip back into realizing that that's not always the answer, but it's my, it's my instant go-to. But during this time, so what did Debbie Grant do? I got really busy. I was the children's director in our church. We had more programs that year, I think, than or those years that they'd ever had been, because it was all about keeping Corky afloat. It was all about keeping him up. We had three little kids. Thank goodness, parents, this is a great thing. Your your kids have some memories, but they don't have specific memories to daily struggles. And that is such a gift um, because I tried to make life as normal as possible. And Corky and I went and kind of went along, but I was really alone and I was really sad and I was really just not sure how to figure this out. And I, too, was pleading with God and looking at all these scriptures, but I just didn't understand it. And um, I realized, finally, the phone rang one day, and my brother-in-law called, and I figured, oh, he was calling to ask how Corky was doing. And he said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm fine. He said, no, really. He's like, I've been in your spot before, too, as his wife had dealt with some depression. And he said, you know, you've got to remember to take care of yourself, and for me, that was something I needed to hear because that's not what I'd been doing. I'd been working on taking care of Corky. I'd been working on you know, figuring out what's wrong with me because why do we do that? Why do we think that when we have struggles in our life, and you all have struggles, like I know you do. Like you might not in small group and you might not sitting here with your family and you might not, but you know what? When you get in bed at night or when you're alone, whatever comes to your head or whatever you're struggling with, that's your depression. That's your struggle. And God tells us we're going to have these things, but for some reason when they happen, we we think, what have we done? But in reality, I think we end up wasting our struggle with that attitude. So I realized I needed help. I confided in a friend, and that friend did something um, amazing. She just listened to me. She didn't ask me questions. She just listened, and the next day we had breakfast, and She said, you know, Debbie, I went on the Internet and read something about depression, and I got this article, and I wondered if you wanted to have it. It's kind of interesting, and let me know how I can support you. And that was the beginning of me knowing that I needed some help because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. It was incredibly frustrating. I wanted to help, but I knew I needed to work on myself too. And so Corky and I both went to some counseling together. I went to some counseling by myself Um, I was still fairly confident at times this was attitude over anything. But when I went to the counselor with Corky, and he'd been going so often for so long, I said to the counselor, I'm so glad I'm finally here. I've been asking for a while. But Corky had been telling me, no, the counselor was saying not yet. And in reality, both the counselor and I were saying we should all do this together. But I realized for Corky he was so desperate. He needed it to focus on him for a while. And it really helped me to realize that depression is a disease. It's not a decision. It's not a state of mind. It's not, oh, you're just a person that always sees the glass half empty. And uh, it's been quite a journey for me as I've never dealt with any depression, um, serious depression. I've had my bad days, but the next day I'm usually fine. And uh, I knew what we needed to do was take care of ourselves spiritually as well as get the counseling and therapy that we needed.
2: So today, um, I have learned a lot. and I know Debbie has learned a lot as well. And there are a couple of verses that have just given me great comfort and a lot. in some cases some confusion. This is a great passage. I was, was given, this is Paul speaking, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. I've pleaded with God more than three times to take this away and he has chosen not to. And I believe with all my heart that every day when I go to my pillbox to take my pills it's a reminder that I can't do it on my own. That this is a thorn that God has given to me. The other passage that I would Share with you is this, um, and you know we, as Sung and I have been talking about this. Don't waste your struggles. You might not be one that deals with some kind of mental illness, depression, anxiety, but we all, like Debbie said, have struggles. And what do we do with those struggles? Whether it's, it, it could be all kinds of things. And what, why, why are we here? Um, goes like this Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of compassion and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we are, we ourselves receive from god for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of christ so also our comfort abounds through christ we are we believe with all our hearts that God has given us comfort in the midst of what we have been through, and t- so that we can in turn comfort others with the same comfort that He's given to us. Still, a journey. Every day, every week is a journey. So we have a few things that we suggest that are um, things that we've learned over the years. So this is uh...
1: so. The first one is that depression and anxiety are hard. Your struggles are hard. Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean it's not hard. And if you're one of those folks that says, well, you know, it's really hard, but stop. I mean, honestly, when you're willing to sit in your struggle and not just look to get out of it because that was the Debbie Grant and me, was to get out of your bad situation and move on, I believe inside our struggles is where God can really break us. And God can mold us and change us into who he wants to be. But I think it's important that you just are honest, that struggles are hard. Wherever you're at, it's hard. You know, maybe you're struggling with you know, your kids. Maybe you're struggling with you can't have kids. Maybe you're struggling with you know, a job situation. Maybe you're struggling with who you believe you are. But we just really wanna say it's okay to say it's hard and I hope as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can say that.
2: You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. There are people in this room, there are brothers and sisters in Christ, there are people all over that are struggling with the same sorts of things that you're struggling with. You're not alone.
1: Don't go it alone. Um, I remember after we were a while through this journey, and if you do the math, we've kind of been here for about 18 years, Um, And it's not gone away. It's been a little longer than a week. It's not gone away. And you know what? It seems like you come through part of it, and maybe there's something else and something a little bit different that comes up. I remember um, after we got to a little point where we were a little bit healthier that we sat down with some very dear friends and just decided to be open and share. And kid you not, they're like, oh, my gosh, we both struggle with depression too. We're on this medication and this medication. And I remember getting in the car pissed off. I was so mad. I was like, what? I have been going through this. Why don't people t- say something? And so we looked at each other that day, and we said, we are going to share our story. We are going to know that God can use this, and God can use tough times. So don't go it alone. Have I have like one or two friends I can call and really be honest with. They don't get tired of my phone calls. They don't get tired of my things I need to say. You don't always have the perfect words, but just don't go it alone.
2: Jesus is always an anchor for your soul. In the midst of all the crazy things and all the struggles and all the pain that you feel, hold firm to that truth. I didn't come up with that. That is the word of God that we can hang our hats on. Jesus will always be an anchor for your soul
1: and the last one was it will get better if you seek help if you try to try to do the Debbie Grant and kind of stuff it and shove it it's going to keep coming back but face your struggles and I think that's where don't waste it face it and the faster you face it the more you'll be able to work through it and uh, the only thing the only thing that doesn't change in our lives is Jesus and that's for both of us. We kept pointing ourselves back to Jesus. We kept, you know, at different times of struggle, we would point ourselves back to Jesus. And it didn't, you know, it wasn't perfect. We, it looked perfect on the outside a lot, though. A lot of Facebook shots. But honestly, this week we've been struggling. So just know that it's going to get better as you seek help and if you seek help.
2: Uh, just a couple of days ago, I'm reading a book by Tim Keller, and i Jump bumped into this uh, paragraph that I wanted to kind of end our time with and then I will pray. Um, This is such a great quote. And "And when you suffer, you may be completely in the dark about the reason for your suffering. It may seem as senseless to you as Jesus' suffering seemed to the disciples, but the cross tells you what the reason isn't. It can't be that God doesn't love you. It can't be that he has no plan for you. It can't be that he has abandoned you. Jesus was abandoned, paid for our sins so that, God, so that God the Father would never abandon you. The cross proves that he loves you and understands what it means to suffer. Let me pray. Lord God, thank you that you um, do understand what it means to suffer. You do understand what it means to have great pain. Um, thank you, Lord, that you um, have gone before us in this and that you give us comfort in times of struggle and suffering. We uh, are grateful for who you are. We're grateful for the fact that you will always be an anchor for our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Wow. After hearing something like that, um, um, you just want to run to Jesus, right? Um, Today we're going to have an opportunity to do that as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, A few things I just want to make note of, just even as you process this message and and what Corky and Debbie shared, uh, a few things that you can do and we could do uh, as the body of Christ. One is, again, like I mentioned, uh, Young Life and and the Erickson's are uh, uh, people, missionaries that we support as a church. They're partners with us. And so uh, Corky has the unenviable job of raising his entire support right? Uh, his salary, his, his living costs and stuff. And so as a church, we're committed to, to be a part, part of that. Uh, if you're interested in, in contributing to that, uh, uh, there's a text number that's inside your bulletin. Uh, you could uh, just, uh, as a way of, of just encouragement and support to the Erickson family, we would love for you to be a part of that. We get the privilege of, of being generous with our resources. Uh, As you text that, text in any number that you want, uh, that you want to support. And uh, after the number, put in the word local, right? That's one of our local partners that we support. Um, Corky and Deb will be uh, uh, by the back door after service. You can feel free to talk to them, encourage them, uh, share your story with them. They would love to do that. Uh, Coming back here now as a way of response, one way we're going to respond is with the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus, the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it and said, this is my body, broken for you. He took wine and poured it out and said, this is the blood of the covenant of the forgiveness of sins. And he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And so 2,000 years later, we as the body of Christ continue to do this in remembrance of his life, death, and resurrection and the eternal life that he gives us. And so as you come forward to the table, this is a reminder of our weakness. This is a reminder that we all have thorns and struggles, that we are all sinners, that none of us are perfect, and we need the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so let that be a response today. Again, as we come up, to, we, we have prayer leaders uh, who will be stationed at each of the tables as well. As you take the bread and dip it in the juice, uh, if you want to, go and, and ask the prayer leaders. They will pray with you, pray for you. If you if any of this message even resonated with you, and maybe it's not depression or anxiety, but there's a struggle, and you've been trying to go at it a certain way, you've just come to a dead end, Right? try something new, maybe asking for prayer, maybe, uh, you know, this could be a a breakthrough. So if if that's you, again, we want to encourage you, whether it's that or anything else, to receive prayer from any of our prayer leaders. There's communion stations up here in the front. There's two in the back as well, too. Uh, If if you would all stand, I I want to pray for us before we uh, close off uh, this morning. Uh, We want to invite you from those closest to the table Uh, uh, and if you're in the back, you could go to the back to take of the bread, dip the juice, and as you partake of it, go back to your seats through the outside or the center aisle. As you go back to your seats, we're going to be singing a song. Please remain standing and, and sing or pray or just be in the presence of God, and let's just worship him this morning. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy upon us, poor and just wretched sinners in need of your grace. God, because of your son, Jesus, you give us new life and we could live the life that you created us to live. And God, today, we want to acknowledge our brokenness. We want to acknowledge your goodness and grace. And we want to lift our voices up to you and give all glory and praise to you alone today in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our joys and disappointments today, God, we lay it all at your feet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.